everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Caston, and with me as always is the exceptionally awesome Jonathan Strickland. I do need another hero. Me too. Jonathan, this week we all need another hero. Yeah. So uh, we wanted to start off before we jump into all the news and stuff to take a moment to talk about a couple of different people who have passed away this week. Uh, And first up is Tina Turner, uh, obviously a legend in entertainment, uh, had a musical career that spanned multiple decades, numerous hits, uh, incredibly influential in rock and roll and rhythm and blues. Uh, some of my favorite songs are Tina Turner songs, but not, not only that, but she also obviously had a big impact in the geek sphere. Uh, she's been in a few properties that, uh, that stand out to me. The first one I would say uh, is Mad Max beyond Thunderdome. That's the, the third of the Mad Max movies. She played uh, auntie. She was the, like the chief antagonist of that film. And, um, did a great job, but she also had a notable turn as the acid queen in the film adaptation of the who's concept album, Tommy. So Uh, yeah, she also, I think she was in last action hero. Wasn't she might've been, it has been so long since I've seen last action hero. It's hard for me to say, but it's possible. And well, Tina Turner was obviously, uh, like I said, iconic, in multiple respects, you know, music and in entertainment in general, uh, there's an entire stage musical dedicated to her career, which is also phenomenal. Uh, Mm -hmm. if you need a suggestion for songs to listen to, I actually really like Nutbush city limits. It's one of her early (laughs) songs with uh, Ike Turner. It's an incredible song. Like it, it it rocks so hard. And you're being genuine about that. You're not just picking it because the name of it is Nutbush City Limits. It's it's named after a town in Tennessee. It is. <laughs> it is. I get that it has a funny sound, but no, it really like that song rocks, Ariel. It rocks like it melts my face off. It is a great Tina, song. If, if you need to rocks. Yeah. Yeah. If you need a different one, listen to Proud Mary. That's another great one. Mm-hmm. Or we don't need another hero, which was from the Beyond Thunderdome soundtrack. Uh, but Tina was not the only person we lost this week. We also lost actor Ray Stevenson. He passed away this week. And uh, and he also uh, has been in geek properties, including the Thor movies. He was one of the, the Warriors three who uh, appeared in several of the Thor films. And uh, yeah, he passed away this week rather suddenly, too. Yeah, he was also in Punisher, King Arthur and the upcoming Ahsoka series. Ahsoka series. Um, Worst part about Ray Stevenson is he was young. He was only 58. So, yeah, Tina Turner was 83, which is a I mean, still young. She, she still. Well, she she also had had experienced multiple medical issues over the last several years. Like she had kidney failure and uh, all these other medical problems, but was able to get a kidney transplant. Her husband actually donated a kidney to her. And, uh, and so sh- she was able to, to live several more years on top of that. That wasn't expected because how severe yeah. her medical issues had, had become, but yeah, uh, Ray Stevenson, that was, that was a real shock because it, it was like, it, it wasn't that long ago that he was actively working on set. Yeah. I mean, cause Ahsoka hasn't even come out yet. Uh, yeah. So 
Yeah. Uh, well, so that's so, unfortunate. Yeah. We want to, we want to shout out to both of those uh, performers and, you know, we're fortunate to be graced with work that they have created that we can continue to enjoy for years to come. And mm-hmm. so we're thankful for what they have done. And with that, uh, rather, you know, somber news out of the way, we thought we would segue over to 30 seconds or less. Yes. Uh, a little bit of a pick me up. Yes. And, uh, I guess, uh, I will get started and actually, well, here we go. <clears throat> Are you totally bummed that after one more entry in the Fast and Furious franchise, that story will finally be over? I mean, apart from hiring a local toddler to come to your house and use Matchbox cars to create action sequences at random, how are you going to get your fix? Well, good news, fam, because Vin Diesel has revealed there will be spinoffs, starting with a quote-unquote female spinoff, his words, not mine, and also the two-part ending could end up being a three-parter. So there you go. Yeah, uh, but if you uh, are, are not quite feeling like beginning the end for Fast and Furious yet, you can go see The Little Mermaid, M- Little Mermaid instead, which has been getting mixed reviews. The initial reviews were, oh, this is great. This is the best Disney live action uh, remake. And then a bunch of other reviews came in saying it's it's not reimagined. It's lost a lot of edge. So it's fairly middling. It is amusing to me that they're saying it's the best live action remake so far because it's at 71% critically fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, which is much lower than Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, The Lion King, Jungle Book, etc. Hmm. I will say that my favorite review so far was one you shared with me, Ariel, where NPR referenced Ariel's friends, uh, uh, Flounder, Sebastian, and Aquafina. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, also, because the new song is called The Scuttlebutt, I've been using every opportunity I can to say that and upset my friends. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, next up. If The Silmarillion has been on your list of books to read forever, but you still haven't cracked the spine, maybe you could consider an upcoming audiobook adaptation of the work. Andy Serkis, who played Smeagol slash Gollum in the Peter Jackson Lord of the Rings and Hobbit films, narrates the new audiobook, which comes out June 22nd. The Silmarillion is a collection of poems and stories relating to the creation of Tolkien's mythical world. Uh, next, uh, speaking of mythical worlds, kind of, we got a new trailer for Strange New Worlds, that uh, Star Trek prequel with uh, Daddy Pike, as so many people call him. Um, it, again, looks delightful. Season two looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. There are things in it that excite me. There are things in it that kind of upset me. And uh, the thing that's been getting the most buzz is apparently a couple of the characters from Lower Decks make a live action appearance on this new season. Cool. Well, if you've been waiting on the edge of your seat for a follow up to the 2021 Mortal Kombat film, we've got some casting news about the sequel. Rumor has it Carl Urban is in talks to play the Hollywood superstar Johnny Cage. Tati Gabrielle is in talks to play Jade, and Adeline Rudolph is slated to play Kitana. We're also likely to see characters who survived the first film return, and heck, maybe even some of the dead ones will be back too. Uh, Next is a little bit of a, it may not be a story for everybody, but it's a story for me. Uh, There is a TV show called The Chosen that goes about the life of Jesus that uh, made news because it was crowdfunded. Millions of dollars were raised for it. It's got a bunch of, uh, I would say, higher name actors in it. 
Um, it's it's actually very well done, and Lionsgate is picking it up, which uh, to to now that it's in its third season to give it more distribution, which is really interesting to me because of the whole crowdfunding structure. So we'll see what comes of that and how the show changes. Yeah, if it's anything like the community episode where Abed makes a movie, uh, a meta movie about Jesus, then I'm I'm all in. All right. Um, <laughs> Renegade Game Studios will release a card game called Good Omens, an ineffable game on June 5th. The game is inspired by the novel by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett, which was subsequently adapted in very well, I might add, into a series that's now getting a sequel and it will go beyond where the book left off. But the game includes both cards and dice, and it is a cooperative game for two to four players. It'll cost 25 bucks for a set, and there will be three different versions of the boxed set, although the game itself will be the same, but there'll be, you know, differences in the cover art and maybe some extras thrown in there too. Uh, And lastly, in our 30 seconds or less, pardon me, uh, Diablo 4 is breaking the fourth wall with their new live action trailer. Uh, It's got real people asking you to help in the Diablo world interspersed with Diablo gameplay. Uh, It's really interesting. It feels like a a call to action commercial from the from the big sports football game every year. Uh, it's really, it's really interesting. It's a, it's a different approach for them. Yeah. Uh, I, I told Ariel after I watched this trailer that it w- it should be called Diablo four spike the camera. Cause character after character looks right down the barrel of the lens to deliver their line. And I found it very off putting and cringy based on a, from a filmmaking perspective, it really, I was like, this was not a good idea. <laughs> I mean, they do it in commercials too. Like I said, it really feels like a like a sports drink commercial or something. Like, yeah, that's why I, I think that's why I think that's why it's not hitting right for me because it it doesn't feel like yeah. like it does because it's made to look like it's a fantasy epic, but with fantasy characters spiking the lids, and that's just if it had more if it had more of a sense of humor to it, I think it would work. But it's being done like with no sense of humor at all because that's not what you know diablo really lacks a sense of humor for the most part i i feel like diablo does have a sense of humor it's just um very strategically placed yeah like maybe once every six hours of gameplay or so or if you go to like the unicorn or cow level or whatever they are you're talking, man, you're talking old Diablo old there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm thinking I, about the more recent ones where it's like, hey, do you remember how grim things got at the lowest point in Lord of the Rings? That's our starting point. Yeah. But you know what? You can always cheer yourself up playing Diablo uh, if if you still play it uh, by just picturing what the voice actors have to do to voice those monsters because they're all done by people. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. hilarious. That's true. Um, but the, yeah, if, if you have to look for the meta to get to the humor then, uh, but I, I, you know what? I'm just a grouch. I, I I'm being, I'm being a grumpy sour puss. You're let's being a talk, gremlin. Yeah. I was going to say, let's talk about stuff. What we watched in the last week. And I watched as Ariel just alluded to, gremlins the legend of mogwai the first two episodes launched on what is now called max <laughs> but it used to be called hbo max and um and it's pretty good like I, I watched the first two episodes i thought that the animation is great the the humor is fun it it's not like 
just a comedy. It's not like all slapdash comedy like Gremlins 2 is. There's some drama and some uh, horror added into this, but but it's got a real good comedic voice and the voice acting is really good too. So yeah, I, I I was, I had low expectations going into watching these, but I really enjoyed them. Did they, in the first two episodes explain why they called Gizmo Gizmo, even though he didn't get that name until the movie. Okay. I was going to avoid. (laughs) Okay. Then don't say, I will just have to watch it. No, 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 no. That door has been opened and now I must burst through. No, they do not. They do not explain how Gizmo magically got the name Gizmo, even though we know from the first film that name was given to him by an inventor of Gizmos. That's why his name is Gizmo, because an inventor gave him that name. But no, in this cartoon, he's just magically called Gizmo because that's what the merchandising already has. It would be confusing for him to have a different name, I guess, because it is supposed to be the exact same critter. But no, no, they do not. And yeah, now that you've said that, Ariel, I, I have to change my opinion. Worst cartoon ever made. Ah, just, you know, I, Jonathan, enjoy it. It's fine. Um, I'm sorry I said it. Forget I said it. Edit it out of your brain. Uh, <laughs> I haven't done much geeky TV watching um, after an episode of Um Actually, which is a, a dropout original TV show that's kind of like Jeopardy, but where you're uh, geekily correcting people. Uh, my husband and I decided to try Succession, which is oh, like wow. a yeah, which is not really geeky. It's it's like a, a sad, depressing Arrested Development as a drama and not a comedy. There are funny bits in it, well, but it's, it's very it's, dark. It's like if you put Arrested Development with Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's not, I. It's it's a well-known show. I wouldn't call it geeky. Other than that, continuing to watch King of the Hill, continuing to watch The Ravening War, which is the latest D&D campaign from uh, Dimension 20. Um, I'm about to start picking up Last of Us in Community again so that I can, you know, share your pain, Jonathan, and your joy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but... But this week, and I watched Creed a couple weeks ago. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. I meant to, and then I think it slipped my mind, uh, Creed 3. But um, I am looking forward to this week watching um, uh, American Born Chinese, I think mm-hmm. is the name. I always I always transpose the words in that, but uh, that's coming out this week. And I might even go see The Little Mermaid over the long weekend. Despite the middling reviews, I feel obligated on a couple fronts to see it. So, and I'm sure I'll enjoy the spectacle and Melissa McCarthy's performance if nothing else. Yeah, I um, I really, uh, I need to watch the rest of Mayhem. Uh, I watched the beginning of Mayhem, the first episode, and fell in love with it. It is uh, that, by the way, that's the the show about the Muppets Electric Mayhem Band, mm-hmm. and it's kind of the story supposedly of how they they finally have to make an album they've been touring forever. They're just a touring band, not an album band. And the first episode is just about perfect. Like it's the perfect level of corny humor. It's the perfect level of Muppet chaos. It makes me think of the original era Muppets, like the, the seventies and eighties era Muppets. And, mm-hmm. uh, as, as a Gen Xer, it really speaks to me because it makes me, it's like, these are the Muppets. I remember when I watch yeah. that, that, and it's done in a modern setting, like it's not all outdated jokes or anything. Um, and I, I can't speak highly enough about it because it's just so darn entertaining, uh, but I'm currently on hold watching it 
because I'm supposed to watch it with my partner and currently she's in another state. So I have to wait till she gets back home before we can watch any more of it. Um, quick question for you too. Allow of curiosity. Did you finish out the first season of, uh, the night court reboot? I did finish the first season of night court. Um, I've finished Mandalorian. There's a a cameo (laughs) in that last episode of, 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 of a, of a character who came out of the original night court show. I don't look, I watch it. I also started watching the second season of how I met your father, which I'm not really enjoying. So I I don't know why I put it on. Um, (laughs) I, despite the fact that I know some people who auditioned for it and they're great actors and the people in it are great actors, but um, I don't remember the cameo. I'm sorry. Uh, it's been too so long. It's, it's Roz. It's the, uh, Oh yeah. Roz, the, yeah, yeah. 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 She shows up in the very last episode of season one of, uh, right. of the night court reboot. Um, yeah. Uh, so they 16 episodes for season one, they were renewed for a season two. Uh, Surprising. I, yeah, kind of. Well, it, they were renewed early, too, but then they got like seven million views on that first episode, which then dramatically dropped to less than half of that <laughs> for the second yeah. one. Uh, yeah. And if you watch the first episode, you can understand why. Yes, uh, I also plan on very soon picking up Foundation because I really do on Apple TV because I really do want to watch uh, the second season of that. The trailer did hook me much like the article that we posted said or yeah. that we shared said it would. Um, speaking of articles, our first news item this week really surprised me, and it rides the line of too much when it comes to method acting. So uh, Jude Law uh, is doing a King Henry or did a King Henry movie and where he played King Henry VIII, and he decided, called Firebrand, and he decided that um, he was going to smell the part. So yeah. he had a perfume made that smelled like blood, quote, blood, fecal matter and sweat to smell like King Henry. Because like King Henry had like this big gaping wound on his leg and like I'm sure he did not smell great. Yeah. Uh, but like and on the one hand, um, they don't say they put any rose oil in the perfume, which apparently King Henry used, uh, which to, might have, to cover the perfume. smell. Yeah. Yeah which could have made it much worse or much better. I don't know. Like on the one hand, this is not a harmful action, like sending people dead rats or pulling out your own teeth or living inside a bear carcass in the woods. However, I would not want to be on set with this man. I I'm an actor. I can imagine bad smells. I don't actually have to act with someone who smells like an outhouse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've had discussions about method acting before and, you know, <laughs> not to dismiss an entire school of acting. I don't mean to suggest that method acting doesn't have its place. The problem I have is that often when we talk about method acting, it really seems to boil down not into how can I inhabit this character, but rather how can I use this job I've got to create as much grief on everybody around me as possible and have a very selfish experience performing in this production. I I get that it's not how the people who are engaged in method acting are necessarily looking at it, but from the outside, that's what I always get. I'm like, how come you're so selfish that 
your process has to be so important that it impacts the people who are trying to work around you. Because guess what? They all have lives too. They all are working too. They're all trying to do a great job too. And if you're impacting them through your selfish actions, you are a bad actor, Jude Law. (laughs) I mean, uh, now I'm sure everybody had very realistic, like trying to hide the fact that it smells reactions, which probably happened back in the day. Um, but yeah, and I will admit that I have been a person that in my LARPing and in my acting, I have mainly in LARPing, I've gone, oh, I'm playing this character who's a baker. I'm going to smell a little bit like cinnamon and vanilla, um, because I think that's a nice little touch. Uh, however, um, I'm very particular about it, especially with scents, because I know so many people who cannot handle perfumes, essential oils, scents, things like that, because it really upsets them. It makes it hard for them to breathe. It gives them headaches, things like that. Yes. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't talk about it because it's not as good news, but maybe he was like, Hey, I have this idea to the rest of his actors and the director. And they said, Oh yeah, that's great. We're on board. And if that's the case, wonderful. But the director is quoted as saying that it was miserable to be around that smell. So. Yeah. And, I, and you know what? He's already doomed himself. This, this is all right, Jude Law. This was a dumb idea you had. It was a dumb idea. And I'll tell you why. Because no matter how good you are in Firebrand, it doesn't matter how spectacular, spectacular you are, there will be someone who writes a headline Jude Law stinks up the place. And it will be accurate <laughs> because you did this. Okay. You did this, Jude Law. You brought this on yourself, Jude Law. Jonathan says lovingly in case you're a friend of the show. Um, <laughs> I mean, l- listen, I don't, I don't hold him in as much contempt as I do some other method actors. Yeah. So, uh, and I mean, I, look, honestly, I like a lot of Jude Law's work, but this was just, this was just one of those decisions where I'm like, you know, when I watch a movie about Henry the eighth, I don't need to see how everybody else instinctively has that recoil reaction. As soon as they get close enough to him to pick up his scent. I don't need that. That doesn't, it's not going to really matter much to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say like method acting does get somewhat of a bum rap from people who do it poorly. Stanislavski didn't necessarily mean for people to do the things that they do that make all the headlines. Um, It's kind of been uh, by other people who've worked with Stanislavski have said that it's his method has been pushed to extremes in a way that he did not intend. Um, so I, I, I have not studied method acting. I've just studied things based off method acting. Kind of most acting methods come off of Stanislavski. And he uh, I was in a workshop with a casting director recently who said in Stanislavski, he took it from people before him. So uh, interesting. Uh, but if, if you don't want to method act, but you rather just want to uh, remember good memories, you can pick up some very expensive memorabilia to do so. Yes, there's going to be this huge props and costumes auction that uh, that is coming up toward the end of June. It's June 28th through the 30th. It's taking place in Los Angeles, but there will also be an online method for people to place bids. It's a huge, huge auction. One of the jewel pieces in the auction is a dress worn by Carrie Fisher in Star Wars A New Hope. It's the gown she wears at the end when she's giving everyone their awards, not you, Chewbacca. You have to wait until film number nine, but you don't get it in film number four, technically. Um, So anyway, that one's probably like the top level. It's going to, I'm guess 
I guess that's probably going to be the highest priced item if I had to make a guess because of the sentimental connection to Carrie Fisher as well as to mm-hmm. Star Wars itself. And um, yeah, this is not not an auction to to jump into if you're looking for something for like a hundred bucks or less. Just the catalog alone, if you want to see what items are going to be up for auction, will set you back sixty dollars. Yeah, yeah, they've like I love Star Wars and Princess Leia and Carrie Fisher and all that. Honestly, were I to spend more money than I have on something, it would either be uh, a bat, uh, a bat vehicle, because uh, they're selling a bat pod, or one of the hammers from Shawshank Redemption. Which, to be fair, one of the hammers from Shawshank Redemption is one of the more affordable options. That they're guessing like it's going to go for like fifty thousand. Um, yeah, or not when fifty thousand. Yeah, fifty thousand. When you're saying that's one of the more affordable ones, that kind of puts into perspective how expensive now now a lot of prop auctions will also include stuff that are not like hero uh costumes or hero props hero being the ones that the the lead is using in the close-up shots and stuff sometimes you'll get stuff that is more like you know like extras costumes and props and those often don't look anywhere close to as good as the hero stuff because they don't need to right why would you put in the unless you're peter jackson you don't put in the effort for the thing that no one can see to make it look like it's amazing. So uh, those tend to be much less, uh, much lower in value and much lower uh, auction prices typically. Uh, so this memorabilia will probably have a whole range. It's just that the top items are going to be like more than a house. And, you know, along the line of props, I got to give props to uh, some <laughs> Discord pros. <laughs> that is the best segue. Thank you. I had time to think about it as I turned on lights in my in my recording studio. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, League of Legends Pro Leagues are actually talking about uh, staging a walkout to protect the minor leagues because the... Uh, Basically, the federation that oversees esports and specifically specifically League of Legends has said that um, pro leagues no longer have to like basically sponsor and mentor minor leagues. Yeah, like which farm was league a, type stuff. Yeah, which is something that happened in the past, and uh, a lot of the pro leaguers are saying that's not cool. If we want yeah. esports to be sustainable and good and healthier, uh, because esports, like you guys don't. I don't know how many of you realize, but esports takes a big toll on you physically and mentally. There's a lot of training. There's a lot of like uh, stress. There's a lot of, you know, having to supplement all the time you're sitting in a chair learning a game and like carpal tunnel. Like it sounds, it sounds like not a lot, but actually a lot of esports people retire early. So you want to have good succession planning. You want to have good mentorship so that it grows as a healthy arena for sports. Yeah. And so um, the, the issue here is that when the Federation said teams would no longer be required to have these minor league teams uh, that are a corollary to the major leagues, the major leaguers were saying a lot of us came up through those minor leagues. Like a lot of us mm-hmm. came from there and we wouldn't have the opportunities we have now if it weren't for the minor leagues. And by removing that requirement from teams, a lot of the teams, like not the players, but the people who own the teams are like, oh, well, if we don't have to 
manage the expense of having a minor team. That's more money for us. So let's mm-hmm. just eliminate the minor teams. And the players are like, okay, it's not cool. The Federation's not cool. Riot Games isn't cool for allowing this to happen. We want a change here. And it may mean walking out if we don't see a reversal of this decision because they feel as Ariel was saying, then the long run, this is harmful for the entire sport. Yeah. Um, and esports, you know, it's, it's interesting cause it's something that I, I know Jonathan has seen in his time on this planet as has, as I have, I esports weren't a thing when I was a kid. Um, and they're more recently being recognized, but they're being recognized by, you know, uh, the entertainment industry, frequently some of the the partnerships that I'm a part of or the organizations that I'm a part of that help with uh, film in Georgia specifically have entire panels or workshops or uh, events based around esports because it's both a legitimate sport and a legitimate entertainment venue now. So yeah. um, I'm glad that players are are taking accountability and, and standing up for what is good and right for the industry. I like... I've liked watching League of Legends and also StarCraft tournaments. So good on them. Yeah, yeah. No, solidarity, y'all. Solidarity. We, we've talked about it before because we talk about it with the writer strike, which is still obviously a thing. Uh, I, I fully believe that this is the way to enact change, where you, especially when you have people who are higher up in an organization speaking out for people who otherwise would not be heard. It's, uh, it's really cool. Uh, something else I think is really cool. And, and it's going to seem weird that we're going to talk about it in a geek oriented podcast, but we got a trailer for the new film adaptation of the color purple. So the color purple originally 1982 novel written by Alice Walker, it was uh, adapted into a feature film in 1985. You know, it was directed by Steven Spielberg It's a big movie. Well, we're getting another adaptation now, but this is a film adaptation of a stage musical adaptation of the color purple. So it's a musical version of the story and uh, the trailer looks good. It's interesting because I think the trailer also buries the fact that it's a musical until toward the very end of the trailer. Yeah, yeah that I was, I was curious on whether it was going to be the musical version until we got halfway through the trailer, but the fact that it is the musical version means that it is geeky because we have already uh, commandeered musical theater into our geek ship. Yes. And uh, I've heard some of the songs from the color purple because they've come on. I haven't listened to the album all the way through. uh, So I don't, I can't comment on it all the way through, but I have heard some of the songs playing because of uh, them being on iHeartRadio Broadway. That's not a plug. It's just, that's where I heard it from. And, uh, mm-hmm. I liked, I liked what I heard. So my hope yeah. is that this will be a, uh, a really well-received film because I love musicals in general. I also love movie musicals. And if we mm-hmm. get more movie musicals that are done well and, and we avoid, you know, like travesties like Phantom of the Opera, I'm all for it. Yeah. I also like the color purple. I like, so yeah, I'm all around. I'm excited for this. Um, I've, I, I've known that it was, ha- we've known it's been, ha- was going to happen for a while. And I'm glad the trailer's finally out. Um, something I missed was happening was a Skull Island cartoon, or maybe I didn't. And I just forgot. Yeah. I, I knew that there was the, the Skull Island adaptation that was going to happen at Disney plus that one is based off a book by Joe DeVito that my dad worked on. 
I know that one is coming down the pike at some point, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't catch on to the fact there was going to be an animated series for, for skull Island, uh, but we got a teaser for that and it's coming to Netflix and the teaser, I mean, it looks pretty good. It's the animation style reminds me a little bit of things like, you know, uh, avatar and legend of Korra. Um, so, uh, it looks, I mean, it looks like it's going to be exciting. I, it's kind of hard to get a real read on it because it was really a bunch of disconnected action sequences. Yeah. I mean, it feels like one of the Kong's Kong Godzilla movies, uh, <laughs> just a bunch of disconnected action. Sequ- Honestly, <laughs> uh, I haven't watched skull Island, the movie I really should, but I've been told uh, by friends of mine that it feels like every actor is in their own movie. So your description of the cartoon sounds accurate. Um, <laughs> Oh man, that, that is a bummer. So I haven't watched it. I'm not as big on the giant monsters as Ariel is. Ariel tends to, to catch those films more than I do. Uh, I like, I have an appreciation for the original King Kong. I think that still is a phenomenal movie, you know, even with all the, the years that have passed, but like that, that film, I, I have a genuine love for less so for Godzilla. Don't, I've never really connected with the Godzilla movies. Mm -hmm. Um, like either the classic ones or the more recent ones. So, so this one was one where it was going to be an uphill battle to sell me and I'm not sold on it, but I will say it looks like it was well-made. Uh, yeah. I just don't know that it'll appeal to me because again, whatever the gene is that connects you to, Oh, big monsters. I want to watch. I'm missing that one. So I'm like, I get it. Godzilla, uh, Godzilla is definitely more for me than King Kong. King Kong falls dangerously close in many of its iterations to animal endangerment. And I don't like that. Um, or it just is in many cases, cause he's just a giant, a giant gorilla, but like in Godzilla versus Kong, uh, it's fine because he's capable of eventually he's capable and can fight for himself. Um, well, yeah. In, uh, in those movies, Kong can change height at a given between scenes. <laughs> like, like in this scene, he's a hundred feet tall In this scene, he's a hundred stories tall and there is a difference. Yes. But if you want, uh, yes, there's a difference. Uh, if you want, uh, mutants instead of monsters, we got something <laughs> for you. <laughs> This this segue was not as good. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but the trailer that we're about to talk about is so we're getting a new uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, Mutant Mayhem. Yeah, animated film, and we got a trailer for it. And like, I run hot and cold on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, I, I am aware of their long history, how they started off as a comic book that was not really meant for kids. It was kind of almost like a send up of uh of superhero but like a dark send up not like a wacky silly thing like a lot of the versions of the tick in fact the tick is kind of similar the tick also started as a a harder edged satire um but this animation it looks like this looks like a fun movie yeah yeah um it's got really great casting it's interesting because uh the the voice actors in this movie are they like Jackie Chan is splinter. Um, like yeah, tons, tons of great voice actors. Uh, it looks like mostly kids playing the turtles, but they don't all sound like kids to me. Um, the thing that, so I got to see this trailer or a trailer similar to it before dungeons and dragons in the movie theater. Mm -hmm. Um, and I thought it also looked very interesting. And then I forgot about it. 
The thing, though, that was super interesting to me is that the screenplay is by Seth Rogen. Yeah. And and, <laughs> right. and speaking about those voice actors, it's nice to hear Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles who sound kind of like teenagers. Like, yes, it doesn't sound like adults who are just say doing like California surfer style delivery. It sounds like it's teenagers and that's great. And uh, I, I also love the, like the animation style makes me think a lot of uh, across the spider verse type stuff. Not mm-hmm. quite as, not as multimedia as across the spider verse, but it has similar feel to it. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I don't know, man, this, this trailer really struck a chord with me and that's, that's not easy to do because I'm kind of, I'm, I kind of just don't care about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in oh. general because uh, oh, yeah. a lot of the stuff I've seen over the years, just, just, I didn't find very entertaining, but this looks good. I, I, I will probably watch it. I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. You know, my last car was named after one. I've got the arcade down in my basement. Um, but like, I haven't watched a lot of the more recent stuff. So like the original cartoon and then the, or, like the old movies that are still like the costumes and that are still really good. Um, and then the more recent movies where the story is stunk, but the characters were correct. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited for this. I didn't know it was happening until, you know, a few weeks ago. I'm, I'm super excited for this. I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, yeah. I, the, the next trailer, I would say this is the thing that fits the least into the geek verse for us this week. I I disagree. I disagree entirely. And the reason why, so the trailer is for a film called Problemista, which is a, a surrealist comedy that um, is written and directed by Julio Torres. And it's uh, it's it's a film where there's a lot of sort of magical realism stuff going on inside the film you don't know how much of that is supposed to actually be happening in the world versus what is you know just going on kind of to show elements of what's going on in people's heads and that kind of stuff um it looks really like a terry gilliam movie to me and that's why i think it really fits in the geeks sphere because it has visual aspects of it that make it, it reminds me of Terry Gilliam's approach in movies like Brazil or even 12 monkeys, but not, not dark like 12 monkeys, but that weird absurdism that kind of falls into it. And, uh, it looks really interesting to me. And I, I, the trailer really caught my attention. The trailer does look good. Um, it's it's written and directed and starred in by Julio Torres, as you said, who is a writer for SNL. Um, and I definitely get some SNL vibes in it, but like good SNL vibes. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah there's yeah. there's definitely there's definitely comedy like it's not it's not dark like a Terry Gilliam movie would be. But I think it's imaginative in a way that Terry Gilliam movies are. Yeah, there were definitely some some moments where it's like, is this really happening or is this like in his brain? It kind of felt very Napoleon Dynamite to me, honestly. Yeah, I, I have only watched bits of Napoleon Dynamite because uh, I found the character insufferable, so I couldn't watch it all the way through. <laughs> um, so it's hard for me to comment on that. It's just uh, I don't know. There's something sort of whimsical about it, but also like the character is in a predicament where they're trying desperately to stay in the country and uh, they're, they're kind of at the whims of a uh, manipulative person 
in order to try and achieve that goal. I don't know. I, I, I saw this and I thought this is not normally the kind of thing I gravitate toward, but it's, it looks like it's done so well that I, I really want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that. I'm, I will likely watch it myself. Um, so something else that I will probably watch, although this newest trailer has me wondering if I like it as much oddly, uh, is the Barbie movie. We got a new trailer. Yeah. This one has a bit of an edge to it. It's got a bit of an edge to it and it fleshes out some aspects that we knew were going to happen, like Barbie going to the real world, but in a way that makes me worry, it's going to be like the parts of the Lego movie. I didn't like. Mm, interesting. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, well, both of them involve Will Ferrell, right? So that <laughs> yeah, in the real world. Yeah. In the real world. Um, I, I get what you're saying, I guess, but I don't know. To me, this actually made me even more interested. I was already interested because it looked like it was such a a goofy, silly take on the mm-hmm. IP. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I, I'm kind of on board. This one, I thought, wow, there might be there actually might be more to say in this film than I was giving it credit for. And I was already, like I said, kind of on board. And now I'm intrigued. Uh, yeah, it, it, so, it really just falls down to can they pull it off in a way that comes across as not just entertaining, but genuine, or is it going to feel like it's a bunch of lip service about, you know, representation and body image issues and things like that? Yeah. Where, where are we going to land on that? Yeah. So if you haven't watched the new trailer, basically half of the trailer is Barbie in the real world after, uh, Kate McKinnon's, uh, Barbie, who is always doing the splits tells her that she can basically pick the red pill or the blue pill in shoe form to decide which truths she wants to live with. Um, Except she doesn't really, she doesn't really get a choice. (laughs) She doesn't No, She wants to pick the high heel. She wants to stay in happy Barbie land. And Kate McKinnon's like, no, pick the sandal. This is the real world. Pick the sandal. Um, It's interesting. Watch the trailer, decide for yourself. I will still watch this movie. I think I just hope it doesn't lose the bizarre whimsy of the first half of the movie um, going to the real world. When that happened, when the real world stuff happened in the Lego movie, it just made the movie feel like it slowed down for me. And it also, um, uh, it lost my interest. So it made it too long. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you about the, the Lego movie stuff. Um, I'm curious to see if it will be like a half and half or if the Barbie world stuff will be like the first 20 minutes and the rest of the movie is the real world. Like, yeah, I don't like, it might just be a first act and then the other two acts are in the real world. I don't know, but um, I don't know. I, I, I'm definitely still intrigued. So I will, uh, I am more likely to see this now than I was before. And I was already kind of leaning toward it even before this trailer. Yeah. Which is hilarious. Cause when we very first heard about the movie, I think both you and I had the reaction of why, <laughs> um, so yes, uh, way to way to go, everybody involved for completely changing our minds and telling reminding us that we need to not be quite so uh, cynical all the time. Um, so back when we first started talking about Large Nerdron Collider, and then back when we picked it up as a podcast, um, one of the things that we had mentioned doing was as a segment was finishing off with a weird food item, a weird geeky food item. Cause at the time we were getting, getting bombarded with bizarre food stuff. Um, and while we didn't stick with that, this last story made me feel like 
I'm at least getting to it once. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The story made me think of like, have you ever played in a session of D and D where somebody just casually says, you know, do you think gelatinous cubes taste like jello? Yeah. Yeah. So this news, this, this last story is about, a, I think it's a show. It's an anime coming out called delicious in dungeon where a group it's basically a D and D gourmand where a bunch of adventurers have to save one of their party members, but they're out of food and money. And so they decide to eat monsters, but uh secret of secrets, like the leader of the party has always wanted to do that. Um, yeah. The leader of the party has always wondered what monsters taste like and wants to eat monsters. <laughs> yeah. And, and so like, I kind of get it. Uh, also i it looks, it looks cute. It honestly looks kind of cute. Uh, but I am worried about where they're going to draw the line of what a monster is and what they're willing to eat. Yeah. I, uh, I, it's hard to say based on the trailer, I would not be surprised if they push that line pretty hard, but, uh, yeah, it looks amusing. There's a, a woman in the party who is dead set against trying to eat monsters and has like some pretty hard lines. She doesn't want to cross. And it looks like the, that's where a lot of the comedy is going to come from. It's apparently it's based off a of manga. So this is an existing property that's being adapted into an anime. Uh, and the trailer was amusing. It, 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 I laughed a couple times. <laughs> Yeah, me too. Also, because like on the one hand, you're like, okay, you're eating monsters. What's a monster? Are you eating something you really shouldn't eat? On the other hand, everybody has had to deal with picky eaters before. And that's the other side of the comedy. So yeah, it comes yeah. out January 2024, uh, if it isn't delayed by writer strike type stuff. Um, and I will probably give it a try. I've been wanting to watch some more animes. So I'll probably give this one a try. Me too. And that silence means we've hit the end of our episode. <laughs> I have to wait for you to introduce the way to contact me. That's why oh, I can't just shoot. say anything. Shoot. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that silence reaches the end of our episode. It's kind of a shorter one this week. If you're sad about that, um, write us and tell us, or if there's anything you want us to talk about topics, I swear we've got your topic suggestions. We will get to them. Uh, we even have a couple of ideas for mashups that we might bring back in the future. Um, but yeah, if you want any of that, or you just want to share your opinions on something we've talked about, you should write us. Jonathan, how do they do that? Well, the way to get in contact with me is to go to a family reunion. And by that, I mean an auto show. When you go to the auto show, because family's forever, you're going to look around and you're going to see there's this, just this random auto part just sitting on the ground. You walk up to it, you look around, nobody's looking your way. Nobody seems to be looking for this part. You're, you're going to just sort of casually bend over, pick it up, put it in your pocket. You're going to forget about it till you get home. You put your hand in your pocket. And you're like, what's this? Pull it out. It's that auto part. And you're like, huh? And then you're going to feel this weird compulsion to go and install it in the nearby car. If you don't have a car, don't worry. You'll be pulled to the nearest car to do it there. And then you'll install the part in the car and then you'll feel compelled to get behind the driver's seat. You get back there and the car will just start up magically and it'll drive off and take you on a wild and crazy ride, breaking several traffic laws along the way. And when you finally get to the destination, it'll be in this weird clearing surrounded by trees. You'll even wonder how you even fit through there. And there will be this mist that's just kind of hanging over the car and you'll step out and you'll hear. So what's your question? 
And it's me. I actually like that. Uh, so everybody just write Jonathan this week. Okay. Now, um, <laughs> now if you don't want to do that or you don't drive, uh, you can contact us on social media on Twitter. We're LNC underscore podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and discord. We're large and drawn collider. If you need an invite to the discord, you can go onto our website, www.largenerdrawncollider.com. Uh, and get that invite as well as the show notes for the episodes. I usually get them up a couple of days after we publish. Um, and if that all doesn't work or you just want to go old school, you can email us at largenerdrumpod at gmail.com. We really do love hearing from you. We really do appreciate you listening. You are all friends of the show and uh, we just adore you so much. Yes. And until next time, I'm Jonathan it's about family, Strickland. And I'm Ariel Vroom Vroom Kasten. The Large Nerdron Collider was created by Ariel Kasten and produced, edited, published, deleted, undeleted, published again, cursed at by Jonathan Strickland. Music by Kevin McLeod of Incomptech.com.